Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to A Minor Detail. My name is Ryan Miner. I am broadcasting live from Maryland in North Potomac. We are going to talk about the Free the Delegates movement tonight. It is a movement that was crafted by a group of delegates from the, uh, to the, who are elected to the Republican National Convention. And this is a – I don't want to say a last-ditch effort because I think this is an organized effort to finally stop the man at the top of the ticket, Donald J. Trump, who uh, unfortunately was elected um, as the – we're going to say the de facto Republican nominee because he hasn't yet uh, been crowned king yet for the Republican Party. And folks like myself and folks from Colorado, and I have one on the line. Her name is Regina Thompson. She's a co-founder of the group called Free the Delegates, and she's going to be joining me uh, for this segment, and we're going to talk about what the movement is, um, how it's orchestrated, uh, what they intend to accomplish, and maybe uh, some possible replacements. So, hey, Regina, welcome to A Minor Detail. I appreciate you joining me this evening from all the way out in Colorado. Oh, yes. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I, I am, it is a pleasure uh, because I was looking for one of these movements. I couldn't wait to find someone who would step up. And we know that there was some talk yeah. <laughs> about – there was some talk uh, among the Republican ranks for some time. I mean, look, mm-hmm. I, I was in New Hampshire last year at this time. I was, a, I, was a, I was a Rand Paul guy, and we went up to New Hampshire, and I volunteered for Rand's campaign. And, and because Maryland's primary wasn't until April 26th, so pretty much – all right. the action was going to happen, and you know the, the 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 Iowa, New Hampshire, Florida, South Carolina. So I took the time, and we uh, we drove up to New Hampshire several times to try to give Rand a a, hel- a hand up there. But we knew back last summer, and just right around this time, in fact, we went up on July the fourth to spend New Hampshire uh, to spend our July fourth in New Hampshire helping with Rand's presidential campaign. We marched in a, a few parades and uh, did some events there. And the Trump phenomenon was taking hold. And when he first announced, and it was just a, a little over a year ago, in a few days, mm-hmm. and I, I I watched I, I I sat in my living room and watched Donald Trump make his speech. Um, before uh, and said, you know, you remember the infamous remarks, they're rapists, uh, they're coming across yep. the board. And I said, this can't be serious. And then you know what I did uh, about a week later after he announced? The Maryland Republican Party hosted Donald Trump to speak at one of its big fundraising dinners. And down near BWI Airport, right outside of Baltimore, mm-hmm, I went to the mm-hmm. speech. And I'm, I'm sitting in the back with hundreds of other fellow Republicans and I'm thinking, and and it was a comedy act, Regina. I, I'm like, and you paid you this... paid good money to listen to that, didn't you? I actually didn't. I, no, I wouldn't pay. Somebody paid. Oh. Somebody gave me a very generous uh, benefactor who often sponsors Republican events. Uh, I'm like, no way in hell I'm going to pay for this dinner. Uh, but no, Regina, I showed up. We sat in the back, and we laughed. But the, it was one of those uncomfortable laughs where we're like, this guy is running for president. Come on, Trump. This guy, you know, okay, businessman, um, seemingly successful on the surface, you know, Mr. Braggadocio, boasting mm-hmm. about everything. It just didn't seem serious. I mean, he, he flirted with a run in two, 
in year 2000. Um, it never right. came to fruition. It never materialized. But then as as he was making more and more speeches, um, there, there seemed to be this growing movement in the Republican Party who were disenfranchised with a, what they called so-called establishment Republicans, or they were upset that with the, the politically correct culture. And the more that Trump spoke, the more um, that he rallied um, sort of this dark underbelly of the American electorate that I, to be quite honest with you, Regina, I grew really uncomfortable with. Look, I'm a libertarian Republican, and I, and you know I would say that I'm I'm fairly you know I'm conservative on most issues, libertarian on many mm-hmm. issues. Yep. I never felt comfortable with this movement. I never it, this Trump movement seemed to have elicited some of the the, the most dark ugly aspects of American politics, and the facts are this whole entire movement isn't rooted on substance or serious policy or reform or taking this country. It's just a um, – it seems like this movement is entirely about the culture of Donald Trump and nothing more, yep. and then he goes on to win New Hampshire. He goes down to South Carolina and wins. He beats Marco Rubio by double digits in Florida. On Super Tuesday, he cleans up. And then finally, we're thinking, who's going to stop this guy? Who is going to end up beating Donald Trump? And nobody did it. And then there was some and nobody, talk. And nobody did. And, yeah, and, you know, and, the, 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 culture, the culture of most organizations is driven by the, you know, the, the personality and the character of the people at the top. So it, it's really no, it's no surprise all the you know the ugliness in the, and it's not even everybody on the right that are you know following him. He's got so many, you know, middle of the road, center left, um, you know, hard left that are just simply fed by his rage and his anger, and, and it gives them permission to bring out that dark side in themselves. And it, it's just truly been ugly. You know, you, if you watch social media. You can see yeah. what how these folks are reacting. The ugly, oh, yeah. ugly comments. Yeah, one of one of well, my co-founder Kendall here in Colorado just a couple of days ago, a lady right here in, in Colorado on Facebook said that she was praying for her to have a heart attack because oh of God. what we're doing. That's yes. sick. That's I, I've run into. Look, I've had I'm on Facebook and I'm active on Facebook. I and it's a great medium for having serious debate. But last summer. Throughout and into the fall of 2015, all the way up until um, the, the the Iowa caucus to the primaries, I have seen some of the most vile, hateful, mm-hmm. uh, invective that I've ever seen in my life. And it's not. And we're talking about. And you're right. There's a broad spectrum of support for Donald Trump. And typically when we think of, oh, here's a Republican candidate running, you're going to have a down-the-line conservative. Donald Trump is not even a, a, a true Republican. I mean the guy was a Democrat until, what, a few years ago? He changed his party. That's right. In fact, his – Regina, his own kids couldn't vote for him because I don't know if they, they just didn't find <laughs> the time to change their registration. I, on policy, on policy, I mean in his own words, he's a lightweight. Well, I haven't seen anything substantial. I mean, he's talking about um, his foreign policy scares the ever-loving. I mean, just scares me to death. I mean, he's. I mean, I'm reading article after article about how he's going to. You know, he's forming this great relationship with Putin. Well, it's like, well, no, thank you. I, 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 I feel that our geopolitical um, 
influences around the world shouldn't be rooted in a cause that celebrates uh, <laughs> Vladimir Putin. Um, he's talked about loosening libel laws so he can sue reporters. Uh, he's talked yeah. about just printing printing more money. There's no real fiscal policy. His tax reform plan isn't really any reform because uh, it's been deemed as not revenue neutral. And just and 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 that's just one element. But there's also another element about Donald Trump in that he is deeply, deeply. Uh, I, I would say um, uh, not ready to be president. He doesn't have a temperament. The comments that he's made about women, and what really, really hit me the most is two things. One is when he said about John McCain, and whatever you think about John McCain, the facts are the man is indeed a war hero. Uh, he mm-hmm. he fought for yep. our country. He spent he spent five and a half years in a Vietnamese prison camp, and he suffered the unimaginable. Hardships. I mean, just things that we couldn't even process for five and a half years. And he said, "Well, I don't like people who are captured." He's not a war hero. And then when he made, uh, when he was at a rally and he had made fun of a a reporter um, who had a disability. I think I believe he was a New York Times reporter. And I said, uh-huh, uh-huh. "I can't do it. It it makes me physically sick to think about me as a Republican supporting this guy." And so. I'm like, I can't do it. And after candidate after candidate after candidate that have dropped out, I said, you know, look, I could, you know, I would have problems with some candidates. But I mean, if it came down to it, if Ted Cruz had gotten the nomination, I would have supported Ted Cruz. I don't agree with Ted Cruz on everything, but I I think that he is a a constitutionalist, at least. And I mean, someone that put the Constitution front and center in his campaign. Um, But Regina, you guys are, you guys, from your movement, from as elected delegates to the Republican National Convention, um, I'm sure that many of you are at your wits' end. So you started this group called Free the Delegates, yeah. and there's a website. It's freethedelegates.com, yeah. and it's if you go to the website, it has a big ugly picture of well, Donald yeah, Trump on it. Actually, well, it, that's so. There's <laughs> a little bit of confusion, but not too much. So okay. freethedelegates.com. Is actually it's temporarily down. It does not belong to me. There's a, a an attorney in in Virginia who's going to be doing some filing some lawsuits in a couple of states over uh, some punitive uh, action towards delegates. Our mm-hmm. website is freethedelegates2016.com. Oh, free the delegates. And that will give 2016. Yep, and that will give you. You know, links. Well, give my contact information, and it'll tell you why we're doing this, and it will um, give you the text of our proposed uh, consciences, consciences call. Yeah, the the clause we're introducing <laughs> through the through the rules committee for uh, delegates to have the permission to vote their their conscience. So there's a lot of information on there. I'd love to take okay. credit for starting the movement, but you know, when we really saw this start to snowball was right after Senator Cruz suspended his campaign. And that's when, you know, all the, the good conservatives looked at each other and, you know, they knew that the Kasich was not long for this, you know, campaign, that yeah. he would be out shortly. And, you know, they all started looking at each other and said, you know, what do we do? You know, we, we can't let this happen. Uh, you know, that's when the never Trumpers started really coming out. And, yeah. you know, for most, for most serious conservatives, it was just, it was despair. I mean, you know, this isn't just because their candidate lost. This is because the alternative is so odious and so wrong for the party. 
So, you know, we started noticing around the, the country these little pockets of people on social media talking about, you know, what are we going to do? How are we going to, you know, stop this? And then Curly Hoagland published his book, Unbound. And once he mm-hmm. started pushing that out free and going on, on the, you know, out, out in the media, that's when more and more people started bubbling up. And Kendall Unruh is our delegate from Colorado on the Rules Committee. And so she was, you know, has been working on uh, rule changes that she wants to introduce. And, you know, we, we just started, her and I were both already active talking to people. And we looked at each other one day and said, okay, this is critical mass. There's enough people around the country that are all working in little pockets doing the same thing. And right. somebody needs to, you know, somebody needs to pull them all together so that we're not stepping on each other and so that they all know that it's a bigger movement. And that was, the, you know, the genesis of our first little conference call with just a few people about almost two weeks ago. Uh, we said, well, somebody ought to do it, and it's us. <laughs> so we so walk stepped through, up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Regina, walk me through the process. You saw the – you watched – at the same time as we're, we're seeing the primaries unfold. And like me, I'm sure you were incredulous. Like, how, how could this be happening? I, I don't know mm-hmm. about you, and I don't know. And you, you know we're, I have never met you. I've never had an outside conversation with you aside from what we're doing here. But I've worked – I am 30 years old, and I am a um, – I would say a politico. I follow politics. I live close to D.C. I worked on Capitol Hill. Um, I've been involved involved with a lot of campaigns and Republican politics ever since I was about 18 years old, 18 or 19, and I've worked too hard in the Republican Party to support solid Republicans, solid conservatives and libertarians um, to advance the cause of what we consider the modern-day Republican Party. And look, we're not perfect. The the party has gone through some incremental changes. Uh, We've lost some. We won some. But – you look at Donald Trump and you think this is not what we envision the future of the Republican Party being, especially with the tone, his temperament, the way that he talks about women and minorities and uh, you know Muslims and the way that he treats people, yep. the way that he goes on the attack. I, I, you saw, you followed this, you watched this process unwind exactly as I have. And what is going through your mind? What are you thinking about? You know, what are your thoughts? Well, the, the first the first thought is, you know, wh- what the hell? You know, how can my fellow Americans ha- and how can some of these people that are are serious conservatives that I that I know you know have known for years and have you know sat beside and worked beside on conservative issues and it boggles my mind that some of these people and and they're not the ones that are you know intrinsically angry. I mean, there's some people that you know are just you know they're just kind of angry. That's always bubbling. Yeah. And some of these people are not. They're they're serious conservatives, and for the life of me, I cannot understand how they can seriously talk about supporting him. And when you know when you start having a conversation and pointing out the serious flaws, it's, well, yes, but you know he says he's going to do this, and we just need to shake things up. It's like you know don't confuse us with facts. <laughs> we you know I I just wanted I just want to do this. Don't don't confuse me with facts. Uh, we believe him, and I think they're sucked into the you know the um, the TV personality. I, I think that I think his, so. his celebrity status, um, you know, has has hooked a lot of a lot of people. For me, and I had this long conversation earlier today, and you know, and, and 
and somebody said, well, so what do, what do you think the media is not focusing on? You know, what, what kind of questions, you know, are the media not asking you guys about? And I said, you know, most of the media seems to be, you know, just kind of focused on the process. You know, you guys are going to go introduce this, this clause, and you're going to get all these delegates to do this, and you're going to not nominate him, and then someone else is going to be nominated. And they're focused on the process. And I said, you really need to, to, to dig down into the why. Because four years ago when it was Romney and eight years ago when it was McCain and before that, you know, at some point Bob Dole, you did not see people, you know, whose candidate didn't get elected, you didn't see this movement happening. You know, right. everyone looked at each other and they may not have liked the candidate, but they said, okay, he's, our, he's the candidate. I, I may have to hold my nose to vote for him. I may not campaign for him. But they simply said, it, what's done is done. And this yeah. is different. You know, th- this is not people who are just disappointed. This is this is happening because this candidate is so um, flawed. He's flawed in character. He's flawed in his understanding of the Constitution, the rule of law. You know, we want our soldiers to commit acts of war. And, you know, you yeah. can't find a, a, a thing about him. He's contributed to Democrats. He tells you that he's going to lie to you. You know, he said he says if I went out in, the, in Times Square and murdered someone, you guys would still follow me. You know, and it's true. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. He he, li- he says I'm going to lie to you, and then he do- and then he lies to us, and then people say thank you for lying to me. Tell me more lies. What do you think? Yes, and, and that's, people that's were... the lie. And I, I watched this movement transpire. I watched that people, person after person. I'm talking about. I have some friends that have dedicated their entire life to advancing the Republican Party who are now behind mm-hmm. Donald Trump and who are really smart people. And, and I think, okay, you know, I see many of his supporters on social media in comment sections and threads and news articles, and I'm horrified. I'm appalled. It's just disgusting stuff. It doesn't represent what I believe the Republican Party should be, but – it yep. seems like there's not a lot of there's not much logic when they try to defend some people will I mean are just Cinco fans. They they will they will just defend him outright blatantly no matter what he says or what he does or how he reacts to a certain situation um or how disgusting he is or what kind of tweets that he's sending in the middle of the night. I I don't understand it. You speak logic, you speak policy to your friends and to Republicans who are supporting him, and you saying, and you're saying, well, you know, ten years ago he's showing up to Bill and Hillary Clinton's, you know, to 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 the wedding uh, of Chelsea, mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. he's donating money to all these politicians and saying, well, it's just a business decision. Um, you know, eight years ago he's saying how great Hillary Clinton is, um, and yet now I, I feel like that maybe there's a part of him that just doesn't believe half the stuff that he says, but he says it because he knows that there's there's a I guess there's a an element in American politics. There's a group of people and it's a, it's become a big group of people, you know, fourteen, fifteen million people who no matter what this guy says, no matter how disgusting, no matter how wrong or how no matter how just non based in policy or reality that they will go out and defend him because it's a call to personality. It is a call to personality, right. and we're seeing yep. this unfold, and it's the most unorthodox style of campaign in American politics. Now, look, some people like it. Some people say, okay, he's not a politician, but he is. 
He has been part of the system that you and I have probably have come to lament over the years so often mm-hmm. to say you have these rich billionaires that are supporting Democrats and paying off people. That is the very essence of what we hate about American politics, um, that's right. and that's just what mo- that's what boggles me. But the facts are you and I seem like people that can care not, not just about ideology but about policy rooted in conservative reform. He hasn't talked about yeah. that. This guy knows almost nothing about the Constitution, nothing, and that scares me because I'm a, I consider myself a constitutionalist, and I think mm-hmm. how, how can people that, that – and this is the worst. This is – and you've probably heard this. I have been called every single name that says, oh, you should leave the party. You're a rhino, and I hate that. Oh, I hate that. You're a, you're a rhino, a Republican <laughs> in name only because you don't support Trump, and you always say – how could you possibly call me a rhino when your candidate is the least conservative nominee we've ever had in, you know, in, in 70 years for this Republican Party? That's what gets me, and the yep. frustration is real. But the point is, is that there's so many Republicans at the top who haven't done anything about this. They shrug their shoulders and say, "Now we need to unite around him." I mean, I like Paul Ryan, but Paul Paul Ryan. He's like uh, he's stuck in a rock between a rock and a hard place. What's what's this guy going to do? I mean, how's he going to keep the p- one element of the party together, the congressional Republicans, and then you know stay true to his beliefs? And then you just hear day after day Republicans refuting Donald Trump, rebuking him on some sort mm-hmm. of asinine yep. comment that he made. And really, Regina, this is an embarrassment to Republicans like us who have worked in the trenches so hard to well, advance I, I the that- cause. Yeah, I, I think his comments in the last couple of days that you know he that it's not his place to tell the delegates how to you know how to how to vote at the convention that they they're free to you know the delegates are always free to vote their conscience more or less. I find that very very interesting because you know what I've been hearing from some of the people that are helping us in our on our efforts back in in the Washington area is that just as you mentioned that that our candidates who are up for election or re-election across the country, senators and congressmen, they're hurting on their campaign. They're hurting on fundraising. They know yeah. that um, that Donald Trump at the top of the ticket is going to damage the down ticket, and they're quietly talking among themselves, and they're not. You know, you, you don't see them coming out and endorsing him. Other than the, the early endorsers, you don't see new people piling on, and the few who do, yeah. it's kind of a reluctant oh, yeah, let's get behind the candidate, yeah, go you know, go Trump. But you're not seeing heartfelt um, enthusiasm for people to jump in and endorse now. And I, and I just get the sense that, you know, with Ryan's, um, his comments and now Scott Walker, I think today or, or last night coming out, basically saying the same thing, I think it's kind of, it's a, a bit of a silent signal. You know, they're not going to say, you know, hey, grassroots movement, stop doing what you're doing they're glad we're doing it because no one else can. There's no one but the delegates at that convention that can do anything about this at this point. And I, I just talk get about, the sense that it's quiet complicity with what we're doing. Let's talk about process. You are, you're from Colorado, and you, and you had to – so you ran on a ballot um, to be elected to the Republican National Convention. And, and full disclosure, I also ran um, – I ran unaffiliated with any candidate. 
uh, I wasn't uh, I did not bind myself to any particular candidate. I ran as an independent delegate to the Republican National Convention, Regina. But um, in my congressional district in Maryland, I live in we, we I live actually our congressional district is very gerrymandered. I live in Montgomery County, Maryland, but mm-hmm. um, my congressional district goes all the way up into Western Maryland which is a very conservative part of the state of Maryland, but we also live in a deeply blue state. And I want to mention this parenthetically, that our governor, our new Republican governor who was elected in 2014, Governor Larry Hogan, he has told the Baltimore Sun and the Washington Post that he will not support Donald Trump. And he has gotten yes. a lot of oh, he's gotten a lot of negative pushback from Republicans, but Maryland, I mean, people don't understand election dynamics. Um, Maryland is a deeply blue state, and you know it's not going to help Larry in the long term supporting Donald Trump. But the facts are that Larry does not agree with the way that Donald Trump has conducted himself throughout this campaign. And you know, what's he going to do? He, you know, do we want to? Does he want to lose election? And now that people are saying, oh, we're going to we're going to launch a primary challenge against Larry Hogan. No, you're not. You're not going to be successful doing that. You're going to get crushed and they're going to, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like come hell or high water. They've elevated Trump to this Messiah complex that if you don't support him, then you are automatically no longer Republican. You're evil. You're wrong. You're every, you know, you're, you're part of the establishment. You're a rhino. This is nonsense. It's just, it's not rooted in any sort of reality. And it's become a cult. Some of these people are scary. I'm not kidding. Some of these people are are so I know they are. And I, I'm like, where do you people come out of the woodwork from? I mean, yeah. go back into your caves. Um, so you guys are, so I, are getting together. I, go yeah, ahead. Well, I, I had it easy in Colorado. I, I volunteered um, about, oh, about 10, 11 months ago now. I volunteered to the cruise campaign to run their, their operation in Colorado. Because of our particular system, there was mm-hmm. no – you know, there candidates were not coming into the state to campaign. They weren't building infrastructure here because it just there was no no return for doing it. It just didn't lend itself to doing anything. And I mean, they were both most of them were just kind of baffled. You know, what do we do about Colorado? Last August, I after many conversations with the the campaign, they said, sure. You know, <laughs> we're glad to have somebody who's you know who's willing to to go out and get it done. So I assembled a you know small team of friends and we built an infrastructure among the top counties in the state uh, to basically to make phone calls to uh, known cruise supporters and and donors to turn them out for the caucus on March 1st and that's all you know that was what we did and so caucus comes we've now got people being elected you know to the county assemblies and the state assembly and then of course I went back to the campaign and said okay now the next task we've got um, you know, the county and the state assembly coming up where we're going to elect delegates. I'm going to put together a slate of cruise committed delegates, and I want them personally endorsed by the senator. That's all I'm asking yeah. you to do is that I want personal endorsement. I need a couple of robocalls. Uh, I want you to bring signs of the convention and print flyers for us, and we'll take it from there. Oh, and I said, and I want him to come and speak at the convention. Well, he was in he was in Las Vegas that weekend with a you know a deep pocket donor retreat, and I said, you know, we need him here at the convention if that's all he does for us is this one thing, and he did. He he flew in for the about an hour and a half. He was on the ground here in in, uh, in Colorado Springs for our convention. He spoke, 
on the screen behind him. We had our, our at-large delegates up on the, the jumbo screen while he was speaking at the convention wearing bright orange T-shirts with our delegates' names on the back. And we elected, all 34 elected delegates in Colorado were from the Cruz slate. But see, you, the other campaigns guys, did nothing. The campaign out there for Cruz, I've noticed that Ted Cruz had the most organized grassroots campaign on the ground. It was impressive. It was impressive to watch mm-hmm. because their campaign nationally spent tremendous amount of time organizing from the <laughs> ground up. And that's how you do it, and that's how he yeah. went out in Colorado oh, yeah. and just, you know, he he walked out in Colorado and cleaned up and I'm like, "Wow, this guy yeah. knows what he's doing. They have their acts together." It was the same in Iowa, it was the same in many other states. Caucuses seem to favor Ted Cruz um, more so than some primaries, but I got to tell you, it, it was an impressive operation. So here's a question for yes. you. Yes. The, the Cruz campaign, are they the primary engine behind the Free the Delegates movement? Some no, no, the Cruz campaign – the, the, well, the, if you want to say leftover Cruz folks, yes, because okay. you know, by the time we got to the point where, where Ted – you know, suspended his campaign, people who had been backing Rubio, and now he was out, they'd been backing Rand Paul, and he was out, and, you know, and those people were all, they were not opposed to Ted, he just wasn't their first choice. So by the time we got to where we had Trump and Ted and, you know, and Kasich, who was a non-starter, that's where all of the conservative energy was coalesced, was now behind, behind Ted. So when he suspended it, now you had a huge, huge cadre of people across the country that many, you know, some are fatalistic. Oh, this is the will of the party. You know, we're, we don't want him, yeah. but we'll unify behind him. But you've got a far more people who are saying, oh, no, <laughs> you know, now what do we do? And, and we're in despair. So, yes, it's largely populated by Cruz supporters, but a lot of those are people who came from, you know, from Rand Paul and Fiorina and Rubio and, um, and, and Scott Walker, you know, who along the way made their way to Ted because he was uh, at the end he was the, the the only candidate that they that they could get behind. But it's not a a campaign fueled movement by any means. We don't, and it, you know, in any of our conversations, we don't talk about who are we going to nominate because that's not our that's not our mission. We're simply there to stop Trump on the first ballot. And yeah. then the convention will determine from there, because we have such you know disparate um, you know group of people that if we attempted to say, okay, guys, here's the candidate we think we're going to get behind, we would lose the energy of the movement because we couldn't coalesce around it. Let's fast forward to Cleveland. There's tw- look, there's 27 days until the Republican National Convention is scheduled to take place. That's the kickoff, and I believe it's about four days. Um, mm-hmm. And according to Mike Allen's um, daily uh, Politico playbook, there's 140 days until Election Day. So let's fast forward to Cleveland. Walk me through the process. How's this, how is all this going to go down? So you're going to go onto the convention floor, or you're going to meet together with other delegates who are rallied behind this, the same cause. And how are you going? How is this movement going to affect? Uh, in a be I, I, logistically executed at the convention. Mm-hmm. Well, there's there's two different two different things that we've got to look at. The first is that within the, the 
the convention rules, and this has been true within the Republican Party at every convention since the first one in Philadelphia, other than 1976, when Gerald Ford managed to you know, make rule changes to keep Reagan out. Every other convention, the rules have, have um, allowed delegates to vote as they choose. Irregardless of what state parties might do, that the convention rules leave that to the delegates. And you know, and, and up in most instances, the secretary of the party has of the convention has faithfully recorded the votes that were cast. Now, when we got into trouble was four years ago when you had um, you know the Romney team determined that they were not going to let Rand Paul or excuse me, Ron Paul speak at the convention. He didn't have enough delegates to win. Yeah, but but he, but he should have been allowed to speak, and that's why we're in yes. the pickle we're in today, because they made a rule change then, simply to keep the Ron Paul delegates from um, from well, they, they unseated some of them through credentials, and then they changed the rule so that that Ron Paul's name could not even be put into nomination, and thereby silencing. It was wrong. You know, if I, if I had been a delegate four years ago, I would have argued for the same thing I'm arguing for today because it's the right thing to do. But that's why we're in this pickle. So up until, you know, the last convention four years ago, for, for many decades, the rules had been that if a candidate had a, um, a plurality in at least five states, their name could be put into nomination. Well, currently we're you know, we're at a place where the, the rules from four years ago say they had to, the candidate has to have a majority in eight states. Well, there's only two candidates that meet that criteria unless the rules are changed for actual nomination. So our task is to educate the delegates prior, and that's what we've been involved in in the last few weeks, and we will up until right. the day of the convention. It's con personal contact and education Say, Mr. Delegate, do you know? Here's the rules of the of the party. Would you please read this part of of the book called Unbound, and it will explain the history and the reality of the rules. You are unbound and can vote your conscience from the first ballot. The problem is that you've got many candidates who are fearful. You know yeah. that they their state party says you have to do this. There's a couple oh, of yeah. states that are very punitive. Um, and and they they they're afraid. They say I'm with you. I I want to they, do that. I'm you know I don't support They send the convention him. police, right? They like you, know, you don't vote for the nominee on the first ballot. They they I mean I've heard where they 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 would literally ask you to get the hell out of all the convention floor, and they would bring in an alternate delegate in your place. Is that I mean have you heard about that? Uh, I, yes, I've heard about that. And so yeah. you know what's being done through the rules committee? Um, Kendall is introducing a. A conscious vote clause. It's not. It's not necessarily a rule change. What it does, it just basically states, you know, Mr. Delegate, this. These are the rules. You have the right to be unbound. The secretary of the convention will faithfully record the the votes cast, and you will not, you know, suffer retribution. That will yeah. still go through the rules committee, and if we can get it passed and it goes to the floor, it, it's basically a, a permission slip from mom saying. You know, you have permission to go do this this thing that you know is safe to do, but I'm giving you this permission so you can give it to your teacher, and you know she'll believe me that it's that it's really okay. And that's what we're trying to do: two things: to educate them that it's already right and responsible for them to do it, and second, to introduce a clause for those that um, are either fearful because of pressure, just from other delegates or from their state party, 
And those that are in states that are actually facing some real solid, you know, ugly retribution, such as North Carolina. Yeah, what's going on down so there? The, the what, if, if... Well, their, their delegates had to sign um, a pledge to be delegates. And it's mm-hmm. three things. If they don't vote according to the primary results as the party is telling them to vote, they can mm-hmm. be basically excommunicated from the party for 10 years, <laughs> up to 10 years. I mean, they can vote, but they can't participate as far as, you know, being you know, being elected to any position in the party or participating. They could face up to a $10,000 fine from the party and have their credentials pulled at the convention. The Catholic Church, you know. <laughs> like yeah. Excommunication. My gosh. Yeah. Um that's ridiculous and that that's overly punitive. It seems silly. Um so let me ask you, what do you have you heard from the National Party? Have they said, "Hey, don't do this. You're making a big mistake." Have you received any pushback from the chairman from Reince Priebus? Only the little bit that he has said in the media. He's he's made a couple of you know, half-hearted statements. Uh, no, they they can't do this. It's wrong. Um, you know, we we need to get behind our nominee. But it's very half-hearted. He's not going out daily and talking about this. It's been a, just a couple of things, you know, interspersed in other interviews. Um, I don't I don't think that they will come to to Kendall and I and the other people that are you know out in front of this. I think that they will work attempt to work it directly through the states. That the state Have party shares the. What kind of media have you received since the since the movement free the delegates have been organized? And is it is it confined to local or um or is oh, no, it, no. Is it a, no, no. is it national? Oh no, the Japan T one of the J- Japan T V stations wants to come and, and follow us around for a day. They're fascinated oh, and what what they told me, they said the rest of the world is afraid of this man as as um as your if, if he's president, yes, and she said they're they're afraid of, of him as the as the nominee and as a president. We want to follow you around. We want to know, you know, what's motivating this and what are you guys doing and how's it working and um, yeah. So it's oh, it's international and I've and every news outlet across the country has been contacting us, the left and the right. I mean, it, this is mm-hmm. not, you know, not limited to just you know right leaning talk radio hosts. This is. Every every organization because this is the hottest topic in politics. I mean, other than waiting for the next obnoxious thing that, that Donald says, yeah. this is the hottest thing in politics right now. Uh, recently, there was a uh, a conference call um, with mm-hmm. the leaders. What? How did that go? What What happened on that call? Well, there's there's been two calls. Um, Thursday, a week and a half ago, was our first just internal. You know, let's 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 try and pull people together and see where the consensus is. It, we we organized it on about two and a half hours' notice. We you know a handful of people said, "Let's say, let's just at least have one call tonight and and get started on this." So we invited. I don't remember how many we invited, but we ended up on two and a half hours' notice with 30 people from 15 states. And to me, the 15 states is is critical because that's on very short notice. So from that point, we kind of said, okay, you know, we identified each other as to who was out doing what and who wanted to keep things going. And then three days later, last Sunday night, we held a nationwide conference call, um, and which I which I moderated. Uh, we had mm-hmm. some of the, you know, more prominent 
you know, uh, Steve Lonigan, who's in New Jersey and is uh, spokesperson for the Courageous Conservatives Pack, was on there. Right. And Sean Parnell, who co-authored um, Unbound, uh, Kendall spoke. Um, you know, so we we kind of had the the leadership talking about why we're doing this and who's doing what, encouraging. And it was it was kind of it was our coming out party. It was just saying to the media, "Hey, folks, you know, this is not just a handful of of people, you know, that are." crying in their soup because their candidate didn't make it. This is a significant movement of people across the country, and we've got big names that are also involved. And since then, you know, media, it was already pretty heavy media, but after that it was, it's was it just been crazy since that conference call on Sunday. Yeah, I, uh, I did pick it up in the Washington Post, and that was when I first read about it. And this has been blowing up. I saw it first on social media, and I'm and I thought to myself, okay, let me check this out. I'm interested in this. I'm not a delegate to the national convention, but I want to help. And that's, that's one of the reasons why I, con- I contacted your organization and asked you to come on and talk with me because we're gonna, I'm going to broadcast this interview as far and wide as I can and, have, and encourage as many people as possible to listen to it and get involved. Now, you, there, there is also a corresponding um, political action committee associated with this group that you can raise money. Is that correct? Well, yes. Yes, there is. They, they can donate directly through our site, but also Courageous Conservatives PAC is raising okay. money, partly for some legal defense, because we, there's some delegates in some states that we're, you know, we're probably going to have to be helping with, with things because of the, the threats against them from their party, but also just to cover the expenses of you know websites and various things that we're having to to take care of. Um, so yes, we can we can take money through through the pack uh, to support what we're doing. Have Absolutely. you raised any money? We have. I, I don't know how much because I'm not handling that end of it. But we have raised money. Yeah, definitely through the pack. There's there's dollars rolling in to support this. Do you have a list of every delegate to the Republican National Convention? I believe there's over two thousand. Uh, yeah. Well, it's twelve thirty-seven times two, so. You know, twenty four hundred and seventy four yeah. delegates total, plus corresponding alternates. Um, so there's right. almost as many alternates. So yeah, we have a list of the names. What's so a have you been reaching out to them? To get a hold of. Oh well, yes, we're reaching out to them personally. But what we're what we're really doing is building building a ground game. We're running a campaign. You know, we're we're establishing coordinators in each state to reach out to their own delegates within their state because that's the more effective way to do it. You know, it's one thing to have somebody, you know, from 10 states away call and say, hey, why are you with us and have you read Curly's book and you understand, but it's different when you've got people in your state who say, hey, I voted for you to become a delegate. Let me talk to you about this. You know, let me tell you about it and and why, and here's what I would like you to do when you get to Cleveland are you on board? And so that's what we're we're just building, the, you know, a ground game campaign and, and running it. Regina, when you get it's to not Cleveland, rocket, it's not at, rocket science. <laughs> no, I mean it, this seems more this seems more of a campaign than the actual Trump campaign itself. Um, you know, <laughs> yes. just don't fire this. Um, just don't fire the spokesman or the or the chief organizer. <laughs> um, you know, so when you get to Cleveland. Um, and what I'm sorry, what day is the convention? I know it's 27. Is it July? Is it 16th? It's the 18th. Is that when it's, no, it's the 18th. It's, okay. it's a Monday. Are you going to get there early, or are you going to just are you going to go the the day it starts? 
Well, I'm on the credentials committee, so I actually go in uh, Wednesday of the week before because I've got you know oh. committee work to do. So I will be I there in, well ahead of time. I was in Cleveland last year for the first debate. I went to the uh, the queue and set in. Um, I was very lucky to get tickets um, from the Rand Paul campaign. I enjoyed myself. It was my uh, I think it was my first or second. I think it was my second time. I was in Cleveland, uh, neat little city, and uh, um, I was going to go. We were going to go, but this is how bad it has gotten, um, Regina. My my spouse and I, Kimberly, uh, she and I are uh, – we're, we're active in the Republican Party, and we work um, – you know, we work be- between that and, and libertarian circles, and we, we work to advance the cause of liberty where we can and uh, try to do as much as we can to – um, educate people on the Constitution and, and the Bill of Rights and, and civil rights. So, but we said, look, we're not even going to go this year. I mean, I wasn't elected. We we both ran for delegate uh, to the convention. We both lost, and we're we're just not going to go. And one of the reasons why I'm not going to go is because I have no excitement about this. I don't know how you feel. I'm not excited about this. I am so dreading those four days because. I think it's going to be like a show in Vegas. I mean, it's going to be so tacky. You look at Trump himself and sort of the <laughs> things that he does. It's just it's going to be kind of it, it's just going to be hokey. It's like a guy pretending yep. to be a Republican that has no idea what the party stands for, who is taking advantage of the Republican party in a way that's never been done before and you know, he maybe he's brilliant, maybe he's not. I don't know, but I I think I can't even wrap my head around it, but I'm not going to go to Cleveland. I'm going to watch it on television. I'm going to follow it. I'm going to blog about it. And but when you guys get to Cleveland, are you planning to rally the, you know, so to say, per, the proverbial troops before you go into the convention floor? Are you going to do some organizing there? Um, are you going to do any outreach before you go on to the to the floor of the convention to vote? Oh yeah, absolutely. We'll. You know, depending upon how large the numbers are, we'll have us all connected by, you know, somebody on Twitter and 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 texting. You know, we will absolutely be connected because before we get there, we'll know who is is with us. We'll know who you know you know is, wants to be with us but is still intimidated. So we'll basically mm-hmm. have you know floor whips within every state. You know, we'll have the the committed delegates that we know are with us, and they will continue as this progresses throughout that week before we actually, you know take a vote to nominate someone, they will be lobbying people within their delegation. So it doesn't stop when we get there. It will continue up until the you know, up until those votes start flowing in for the for the presidential nominee. It it'll be um you know, it'll be just like any other any other campaign activity. Um we're we're using the tried and true and we'll add social media yeah. to it because the you know, there'll be the crowd is so large. Um of course yeah. it'll be you know very difficult to get everybody together physically but we will be connected uh, through every means that you know possible to do it. Are you planning to do a media blitz once you arrive on scene? We probably will. We're we haven't sat down and talked about that, but I have no doubt that we will be um, will be doing that. We of course we've got you know porters already who have talked to us and said, okay, when you arrive in Cleveland, I want to talk to you when you get there. Can we interview you? You know, we want to make sure that we stay in touch. So we know that the the media that's already been talking with us are going to be waiting for us to set foot in Cleveland, and will be following us around and talking to us, you know, continually as it progresses. 
Have you been featured on any television programs nationally on any of the cable networks as of yet? Well, I was on MSNBC yesterday morning. Um, oh, okay. Kendall, my my counterpart, has been well. She was at, her and uh, Steve Lonigan were actually on with Anderson Cooper today. They they flew into New York to to film that today. She's she's been on multiple TV shows. You know, on practically every uh, every news program over the for the last week, she's been on, and I'm I'm doing the ones that I've got time for. Uh, yeah, we've we're getting a lot of FaceTime on every program. Are you fearful at all of your? I don't mean to be hyperbolic, but are you fearful at all that you'll be threatened and maybe physically because of this movement? I know that sounds sort of out there, but it's a question that I have to ask because I've seen the reaction from the Trump supporters. Well, I mean, for me personally, I'm I'm kind of one of those people that says I'm not afraid. I'll you know I've got broad shoulders and I can handle this. Yeah, but. I have no doubt that there's going to be some very, very angry confrontations from from Trump supporters. We had, you know, one of Trump's guys. I don't remember if it was if it's Manafort or Roger Stone, you know, who told the media, "Hey, we're we're gonna we're gonna give you know Trump supporters, we're gonna give them the hotel location and the the suite numbers of you know, the cruise delegates, and you know, let them go mm-hmm. go harass them." I mean, they've told us they've told us we're gonna be bullies, so. We we know that there's going to be angry people that we're going to be dealing with inside the convention hall, in addition to the paid thugs that you know somebody is going to have outside the perimeter making as much trouble as they can outside. There's going to be anger inside, and I you know we will not respond in kind. Uh, you know I don't I don't think I even have to have the conversation with our team to say folks, you know turn turn around and walk away and don't you know don't engage because I think the, we, by nature. That's not how we deal with things, but let's I think this, that we're going to see a lot of it. You know, let's let's this play this. Let's play this out. Your movement is successful. You stop Trump on the first ballot, which is the goal. Is I mean, the entire goal of this the organ the movement is to find find a replacement for Trump that is suitable that we can beat Hillary Clinton. And as a Republican, I want to beat Hillary Clinton. It's just that I don't want that I don't want to beat Hillary Clinton with Donald Trump because I don't believe that he's in she's in that that Donald Trump is any better than Hillary Clinton. And you keep hearing that argument. Oh well, if you're not for Trump, then you're for Hillary. No, 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 no. no. That's not true. I, I'm I'm nowhere even close to supporting Hillary. However, if there is one person in this entire race throughout this entire campaign that makes Hillary even look marginally you, you you know you feel marginally sympathetic towards Hillary. That would be Donald Trump. I I don't like any of yes. Hillary's policies, but when you stand when you juxtapose the two, and you look at both of them and you say, my God, could I live with Hillary for four years if Donald Trump is the nominee? And as I told the Baltimore Sun uh, a few days ago, the, an- the 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 short answer is, and I say this with hesitance, is yes. If if Donald Trump is the Republican nominee. The answer is I will not vote for him. I'm not going to vote for Hillary, and I'll end up voting for third party, but I would yep. rather have a Republican that I could vote for in good conscience, and I don't know who that Republican could be. Now, if if Donald Trump is knocked out on the first ballot, could you think of a few names that you would be comfortable with um, to run um, in, 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 in his steed? 
Well, I, I mean, the, the natural one that, that floats to everyone's mind is is, um, is is Senator Cruz, although he has signaled that he doesn't want the nomination under these circumstances because he thinks that right. that will harm him going for. And I understand. I, I you know, I'm sure. not going to argue with with their reasoning. I understand it. I I have a sense. Something tells me that the person that's most likely to for, to be coalesced around is Scott Walker. I, I just yeah. have a sense. You know, he he was he was conservative enough for people until you know he just turned out to be a lackluster candidate at that time. I don't think he was just I don't I don't think he was really prepared to be a national candidate. Not that he wasn't right on issues. I think that he just personally didn't quite have that energy ready at the time. But I have a sense that he may be the one because he's acceptable enough to the broad spectrum of our of our you know membership in the party across the country and I think to the delegates. I you know Rubio's now running for his Senate seat again. Um we, we I think, somehow right? just, we, yes, and, we, we, we think. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I just somehow about, don't, don't see that happening. What about John Kasich? Would we be comfortable with I would be personally comfortable with no. John Kasich. He wasn't <laughs> No? Okay. Well I mean he wasn't my first choice but I would be. I mean, I would love to have Rand Paul be the nominee, but um, Ted Cruz wasn't my first choice. I mean, and he, he wasn't my last. But I, I think that if Trump is not the guy, then yeah, okay, Walker. I would be fine with Paul Ryan. Um, you know, some have proposed um, Senator Ben Sass from Nebraska. However, mm-hmm. he's sort of an unknown, but he has been the most outspoken. Um, yep. He, been, he has been the most outspoken senator, um, not in favor of Trump. So there's that. There's, I mean, yep. we had sixteen, what, seventeen candidates run. I think that, um, you know, could could it be Rubio? Maybe, but there's you put anybody else, generic Republican, in place of Donald Trump at this point, they would yes. probably be uh, tied with Hillary or beating him in certain states, and that's. And, and look at Trump's campaign. It's imploding internally. You have their campaign manager, that goofy guy from New Hampshire mm-hmm. that's never even been on the national scene, never run a national campaign. I mean the most that Corey Lewandowski's ever run is a state senate race in New Hampshire, and based upon one conversation and a handshake and a visit to Trump Tower, Donald Trump, who's – everybody says, oh, well, he's going to surround himself with great people. Well, <laughs> how much, how much more – can he disprove oh. that theory that he surrounds himself with good people? He fired his campaign manager. You have Paul Manafort out there, I guess, running the show. I don't know how this is going to go down. He has no money. I mean, look, he has one million three hundred thousand dollars. That, like, I think certain candidates that have already dropped out have more money than Trump. He has no ground game. Yeah. It, I don't see anything in Maryland. I see a few signs. I see a few eager supporters. Let me tell you, Regina, here in Maryland, there is no ground game, no. nothing. I don't know what it's like well, out in Colorado. Oh, this, there's absolutely – there's not even a few signs out here. He's counting on the party now running the campaign. I mean, literally, that, that, that's his oh, – we know he's trash. We know how bad the – you know, the, in most states, the Republican ground game is, is barely supplemental to what a candidate's campaign is doing themselves. And if you don't have the energy of the two together, you don't have enough directly from the party to make it happen. 
and I and yeah. I think he's flawed anyway. I think even if he had a campaign, that we would that he cannot win. I think that he's so flawed as a candidate that I, the undervote of principled conservatives is going to out, overshadow those evangelicals that we didn't you know we think didn't vote for Romney. This is this will be so much larger than I, the, the group I think who didn't right. vote for Romney. Yeah, they'll, they'll they'll either not vote at all, they'll write in somebody, they'll undervote, you know. And I hate to see them give a vote to Gary Johnson as a protest because I don't want to enable the Libertarian Party because it doesn't know how to run, you know, it doesn't know how to be a uh, a winning machine otherwise, and I don't want to enable it. Well, because I mean, I, I, I think that the party has flaws. Well. Yeah, I mean, yes and no. I think that the Libertarian Party is is now front and center as another viable alternative. But yeah, that's for an, an entirely other discussion. But if if Donald Trump does become the Republican nominee, are are, are you going to vote for him? No, no, Not, no. no. I, I, I I'm not either. No, no. I I can't. No. I can't. Look, I I have two children. They're they're nine and twelve. In good faith, I can't look them in the face and say. This is who I, I supported for your future because I'm I, I gotta tell you, this guy scares me. I don't want him anywhere close to the most powerful military in the world. This man is intemperate. Uh, I I, yep. I I can't I cannot abide by, you know, this cult of personality. I think that he has wrecked American politics for years. I think that we do need serious reform in our country, but I don't want this guy leaving the there's no revolution. There's nothing. It's just a call to personality to satisfy this man's ego. I believe he's a narcissistic. I, some people may disagree with what I'm about to say, but I do believe that there is an element of racism that he's tapped into, as Mitt Romney said, the trickle-down <laughs> racism. I think it's disgusting. Well, you know there is. I think, I think that what he said about Judge Gonzalo Curiel was absolutely yep. horrifying and, and it just – Anthema to everything that we believe in as American citizens that you can't do your job because of your heritage. Th- that is the, the that is the true definition of what racism is. I believe yeah. that he's an ego narcissist. I think that the man has serious flaws, and I don't want his stubby little fingers anywhere close to the nuclear code. <laughs> I and I look. I applaud. I applaud you guys for what you're doing. I and I don't think that is. I don't think that this is any way. Unorganized. I don't think that this is. I think this is not a last ditch effort. I think this is the real deal, and I want you guys to succeed. And I hope that you stay in touch because I want to follow this. I want to do whatever I can to aid and abet your efforts. And look, I'm going to read one last thing. The website is freethedelegates2016.com. Um, I'm looking at the mm-hmm. website now. It's a great website. Um, the email is freethedelegates2016 at gmail.com. You guys respond. Very quickly, and uh, I appreciate that. So um, we have about 55 seconds left. Um, I want to give you the final word. Well, I, I want to thank you and, and just encourage all of your listeners to reach out to the delegates in your states. You, as If you're a registered Republican, you have a right to know who the delegates are. You have a right to lobby them to your point of view before they go to the convention. You know, don't don't take this lying down. If you care about our country, about our republic, about the character and the quality of the person at the presidential um, as our president, then get involved. Don't just complain to each other. Reach out. Do something to help the movement. 
great. Regina Thompson with the Free the Delegates 2016 movement. I appreciate your time, and uh, I wish you guys the best of luck. And uh, go to Cleveland and make a big showing. Thank you so much.